Let's turn our Bibles to Psalm 138. Psalm 138. I commence reading from verse 1. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord. For they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the words of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he, reward, he regards the lowly. But the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. This morning, we looked at the first three verses of this psalm. And we looked at worship in times of trouble. And as I said this morning, is as a church, we are in a period of mourning. We just buried two of our members in the course of the week that has just gone by. And so we encourage ourselves from that psalm that even in the times of trouble, the Lord is still to be worshipped. This evening, we conclude this psalm by looking at worship in times of uncertainty. This psalm is very helpful in the spirit uh, as we do not know what tomorrow holds. We do not know what news we'll hear tomorrow. We do not know what tomorrow will bring. This psalm is entitled the Psalm of David. And several commentators have mentioned, or at least have commented, that this psalm is correctly put or placed next to Psalm 137. In Psalm 137, we see there the, the psalmist describing the helplessness of the psalmist or the people of God to sing before the heathens. In Psalm 137, the first verse there we say, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. Verse 3, For there our captors required of us songs, and our tormentors myth saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. So commentators have said that this psalm, Psalm 138, is where it's supposed to be. It comes after Psalm 137, and in Psalm 138, we see 
a declaration by the psalmist that even the kings of the earth will praise Yahweh. There is a bold declaration, a declaration of confidence. In Psalm 137, we see the people of God, they are in silence as they remembered Zion. As they sat before the heathens, they were quiet. And in Psalm 138, we see the excellence of a brave confession before the nation. And Spurgeon says about one Psalm 137 that there's a time to be silent. Least we cast pearls before swines. And there's a time to speak openly. Least we be found guilty of cowardly non-confession. And Derek Kidman, a Kidna says in Psalm, about Psalm 138, there is a fine blend of boldness and humility from the onset. Boldness to confess the Lord before the gods, humility to bow down before him. In the last two verses of this psalm, we see a call to worship God in times of uncertainty. This psalm presents solid truths that we must use or solid truths for us to ponder upon when times are uncertain. And those truths must then lead us to worship God with great confidence because of what he says about himself. And the first thing I'd like to draw your attention, the first truth is that in those times of uncertainty, we must remember that the Lord continues to protect us. In those times of uncertainty, we must always remember the Lord continues to protect us. The verse 7, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. Now, this is the truth laid before us. And it is this truth that must fuel our worship of God in those times of uncertainties. It is to know that whether times are good or times are hard, whether times are clear or times are uncertain, God continues to protect us. And David says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. The psalmist is saying it is one thing to be in trouble, but it's another to be in the midst of that trouble. Trouble can follow us. Any day, whether good or a bad day, you can have trouble with your children, 
You can have trouble with your parents. You can have trouble with your siblings. You can have trouble with your, with your workmates. But these are usually troubles that you know that you can easily rise above them. But it's another thing to be in the midst of trouble. In fact, the right word there that's supposed to be used is to be stuck in trouble. When the psalmist said, though I walk in the midst of trouble, he's basically saying, though I'm stuck in trouble, you preserve my life. And he's basically saying, when I find myself in a crisis with no immediate solution, when I find myself in a state whereby there's this thing that is right in front of me, things are not going well in my life, I go to sleep and I wake up tomorrow morning and the morning after, this matter will still be right in front of me. The moment I wipe my sleep from my eyes, there's this thing right in front of me. There's this trouble. There's this crisis. I'm right in the midst, stuck in that trouble. David says, the Lord still protects me. David had considered the greatness of God and his kindness to the humble. When you read verse 4 through to verse 6, and it is this that gave him confidence that God will revive him in this uncertain time. Now, a quick survey of David's life will show that he was not, he was stuck in trouble. He went through uncertain times, not knowing when his crisis will be over. His life reveals that it was a one long procession of trouble, of crisis, of uncertainty. Remember when Samuel went to anoint him as king in 1st Samuel? And so got to know of it. He spent most of his life running away from Saul. He lived as a fugitive hiding and sleeping in caves. And yet, he had been anointed to be the next king. And when the time had come for him to be finally king, he immediately had to deal with political crisis on every front. Israel was faced with fightings from every corner. And just when he thought this political crisis is over, there was a domestic crisis. 
His own son rebelled against him. Absalom wanted to get rid of him and become the next king. And yet he was still a man after God's own heart. A man whom God had said through Samuel that he was the next king. And David is saying, even though I'm stuck in such uncertainty, I don't know when this crisis will be over. There's one thing that I know, the Lord still protects me. He preserves my, my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. David recognizes that the Lord continuously protects him. And even when he's faced with any uncertainty, he knew the Lord was his protector. And when you read Psalm 23, it was out of this assure, out of this truth that the Lord protects him, that he paints beautifully for us about the good shepherd who watches over his sheep. And David is saying, I'll put my faith and trust in a protecting God, in a God who protects me, in a God who watches over my life. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And it is this truth that must constantly be with us in those times of uncertainty that God still protects us. It is God who's with us in good times. It is God who's with us in the low valleys of our lives. It is God who's with us when we are stuck in the midst of problems, on those trials, on those circumstances. God is protecting us. Spedron says, and I quote, adversaries may be many and malicious and might, but our glorious defender has only to stretch out his arm and their enemies vanquish. Understanding God's greatness builds our faith in times of uncertainties. Because we know that as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, as we walk through the valley of tears, God walks beside us. When we pass through the fires of life, God draws close to us to repel the flames. God is closest to us in crisis. He surrounds us and he grants us his presence. We must remember that the Lord 
protects us. He is our protector. The second thing we see there is that not only is the Lord our protector, but also the Lord continues to perfect us. Now I'm getting that from the first part of verse 8. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. And when the psalmist says there that the Lord will fulfill his purpose, his best God is saying that the Lord continues to perfect us. He's not saying that we will be perfect on this side of eternity. But one thing he knows, that the Lord continues to work in us and is fulfilling his purpose in our lives. And that purpose will culminate in eternity when he calls us home. He's saying, God is bringing to completion everything in the world that's, that surrounds us and defines us. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. That's what the psalmist is saying. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Other versions read, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. He will perfect that which concerns me. And this was David's confidence. And as he declares it, his declaration is based on the truth of the God he saves. He knew that God had a plan concerning him. And this God of greatness and goodness would absolutely perfect the plan. And that plan is in the hands of God. God is the one who has the master copy and he knows what needs to come at a particular time and all that it is saving the purpose of God for David's life. And you can imagine the survey we did of his life. He is a person who's been anointed king. And now he spends most of his time running away from Saul, sleeping and hiding in caves. The next king. The king of Israel. And I'm sure he must have been asking himself, but surely, is this what it means to be king? Should I go through all this in order to be king? But years later, he's able to look back and say, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. This is the language of supreme confidence. And this confidence is based not upon the determination of the psalmist, David, 
but upon his God. His confidence was not because he's determined to follow God. No, his confidence was upon his God. And he's able to say, God, you will perfect that which concerns me. You will fulfill your purpose for my life. David was going through times of uncertainty. And he may have even lost his perspective. He may have even begun to think that God had forgotten about him. And it must have been a terrible feeling to have the sense that God has put him aside. But when the truth of the scriptures began to bear, to, to have this, this bearing upon his life, he was able to say, that even in what I'm going through, the Lord is fulfilling his purpose. He's perfect. He continues to perfect me. He continues to work in me. He continues to mold me for what he wants me to be. And David realized that even when he goes through troubled waters. God was not only the master of the waves, but was also the master of the vessel that was going through the troubled waters. He never abandoned him. He was with David, and he continued to work in his life. And he was able to look back and say, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. And the confidence that David declares in the first part of verse 8, it's another way of stating the great promise of Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. Where the apostle Paul writes, and I'm sure of this, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He will bring it to completion. Whatever it is, the work that God has begun in you, he will bring it to completion. And David, could think of particular promises of God. Like in 2 Samuel chapter 7, where God made this promise concerning him that his descendants would rule forever. Now that was messianic. And this promise was fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the principle or the lesson that God had taught David, it's, it's true for all of us. God's promises for our lives are fulfilled in Christ. 
And all who are in Christ can claim the promises of God because Christ is the beloved of God. And in Christ, the Father is well pleased. The Lord continues to perfect us. And times of trouble, times of uncertainty must take us back to the scriptures and be able to say with David, Lord, fulfill your purpose for my life. Yes, while there will be aches and bruises and while the scars will still be fresh, God is still working all things together for the good of those who love him. He will fulfill his purposes. He is your only hope. He is your only asset. He is your only possibility. And David is able to say, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. And so no matter what we might be going through, no matter how uncertain our lives may be, no matter how deep in the midst of trouble we may find ourselves in, God is still working behind the scenes. No matter what we go through as his children, your God is busy at work in you. And he, he may be doing it out of sight. But he's still at work in you. And your life is a sign. A broad, bold light or sign saying God is still at work. Your scars and aches and bruises of your life. A sign saying God is at work and always remember that God is the landlord of your life and because he's the landlord of your life he doesn't ask for your permission to do renovations in you He doesn't need to ask for your permission. He's the landlord. But he's keen to show us how well he can protect us so that when all is done, he can wonderfully fulfill his purpose in your life and my life for his glory. When the noise and the dust are gone, the dross would have been bent off our, off our lives. And what would be left of us is that pure God of a life lived under God's care, under God's work, under God's renovation. A life that shows 
that God is a wonderful God. And when we look, when we begin to look at uncertainties of life, from the perspective of the psalmist, that God is working, is perfecting that which concerns us, Our depression will fade. Our hope will increase. And our love for God will grow. Because we realize that he who has the authority over our lives has decided to work in us using those means for our good, bringing us to where he wants us to be. But yes, there will be aches and bruises. There will be scars, cries and tears because we do not know what we are going through. Our times are uncertain, but our God is saying, I am at work. And those trials, those uncertainties, it is God saying, I am at work. And it is for your good because I'm fulfilling my purpose for your life. And we can learn to trust this God and to bow and worship this God. Though we may not know what tomorrow holds, but this we know. Whatever God decides to bring my way, it's for a particular purpose, my good and his glory. And what should be our attitude in all this, in those times of uncertainty, Yes, we must remember that God continues to protect us. We must remember that God continues to perfect us. And our attitude must be that in such times we must cry in an appeal to God as the psalmist did, forsake not the works of your hands. And this is the third truth, that of uh, making a final appeal to God. That in those times of uncertainty, that we may use this truth and make this appeal to God, Lord, forsake not the works of your hand. And this is what we see in the last part of verse 8. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O oh Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. When the psalmist saw and found himself in times of uncertainty, and he recognized that God continues to protect him, God continues to perfect him, to bring to completion his work. And his cry was, Lord, 
Do not forsake the work of your hands. And the psalmist cry out in confidence, supreme confidence, he recognizes that whatever I'm going through, God has allowed it to come into my life. I don't know what tomorrow holds. And I can cry on the basis of what I know about God. Do not forsake the works of your hands. That's a cry of uttermost confidence in the never-ending mercy of Yahweh. Forsake not the work of your hands. David knew that God would not forsake him. He belonged to God by redemption. Christ had died for him. But he had become, he is a man who, became, who had become aware of the work of God, that God was the porter. He was the clay. And God being the porter, he had been chipping away the raw stone of David's life so that he's able to finally comprehend at the end of it all that those painful moments, that painful molding was producing something smoother and a well designed by God. He was working in David's life. And David is able to say, do not forsake the work of your hand. He's basically saying, Lord, you started this work. Bring it to completion. I don't know the final product. You started this project. Bring it to completion. And again, a quick survey of his life. Remember, as a young boy, he would be out in, on the lonely hill of Judea, taking care of his father's sheep. And in those moments, the Lord taught David to learn to trust on God. In those lonely mountains, with only sheep, he learned to have communion with God. And those were lessons David would need when he became king. He would have learned to know how to be responsible and to take care of that which has been trusted to him. He would have learned to be a good steward by looking after his father's sheep. Anal. He was able to see and to say, God is at work and you will not forsake 
the works of his hand. We too can cry with confidence as David did to our God. When we look at creation and we see God's hand in creation, we see those hands that created the heavens, the hands that flung the stars out into space and crafted the mountains and molded us from the dust of the earth. We can cry with David, forsake not the works of your hand. It's a cry of confidence because we recognize that those hands that crafted the mountains, the beautiful skies, the vast array of the stars, those are the same hands that are now caring for us. Those are the same hands that took the nail on the cross. Those are the same hands that reach out in pain on the cross to embrace all humanity. Those are the hands that open the door of salvation. We're able to recognize that it is those hands that now hold and cuddle us with gentle love as we go through the uncertainties of life. It is those same hands that fashioned all things in this world. And it's those same hands that cuddle us gently as we go through life. Quoting Spedron again, he says, his creating hands formed your soul at the beginning. His nailed, pierced hands redeemed them on Calvary. His glorify, glorified hands will hold your soul fast and not let you go. In those hands, you are well protected and comforted. And what a joy to know that God will not forsake the works of his hands. What a joy to know that even though times are uncertain, all things are working for our good and for the glory of God. What a joy to know that the trials of life, as painful as they are, the uncertainties of tomorrow, they are waking for our good. And we can cry with David in confidence, Lord, 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 forsake not the work of your hands. That's only appeal 
we can take before God. Do not forsake us, O Lord. The hymn writer says, the good which, the, the, the word which is goodness began, the arm of his strength will complete. His promise is yea and amen, and never was forfeited yet. That's our confidence. That he, our God, is at work in us. And as I said, he is the landlord of our souls. He will not seek your permission or my permission when he sees that our lives need renovation. He will move in because he is the one with the master plan and you begin to chisel away the dross of our lives to mold us into what he wants us to be. And he will continue to do so while we are still on this side of eternity. And our confidence is that he will not forsake us. He will continue to work in us for his glory and for our God. And this must encourage us to pray even the more because we have this confidence that God will not forsake us. It must encourage us to cry out more to God. Lord, work in us. Grant us grace, O oh Lord, as we patiently wait upon you to complete that which you have begun in us. You are working to fulfill your purpose for our lives. Lord, grant us grace in these uncertain times, for we do not know what tomorrow brings. Psalm 138 calls us to worship God in all seasons of our lives. Not just when things are going on well, but even when things are not going well in our lives. We are called to worship God. And we must always remember that with God, Things don't just happen. Everything by him is planned. As we face tomorrow, with its problems large and small, we can trust the God of miracles and give to him our own. Let's pray. Lord, we do acknowledge that in times of uncertainty, we struggle. We struggle to acknowledge that you are at work. We struggle to acknowledge that all things are working for our good. We struggle to acknowledge 
that you are wise. Because in those times, things seem to be out of place. We pray that the truth of your word may remind us that you continue to protect us even in those times. And you've continued to perfect us, bringing to completion your work. Lord, we cry that with David, forsake not the works of your hand. Lord, this is our cry. This is our confidence. We pray that as we go in the week, may this truth continue to ring in our minds that you are a God who will not forsake us, for you will not forsake the works of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You forsook him on the cross so that in him we may become the righteousness of God. And when you look at us, you see the righteousness of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we pray that as your children, help us to be channels of hope in this world that lives in hopelessness. That as we continue to face the news of loved ones living this life, that Lord, we may remember that we are alive because you continue to protect us and you are working for our good, bringing to completion your purposes. But also pray that you help us to continue to preach the gospel of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the only true gospel, the only gospel, in this world that brings truth, that brings hope because of Christ. Oh, help us, dear God, to worship you in times of uncertainty, focusing on the author and perfecter of our faith. Hear our cry for Jesus' sake. Amen.